wisdom. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. Thank you for the spirit of understanding in this house. I give you praise that our hearts are open this morning to receive the word of God. The engrafted word of God which is able to save our souls. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 12 says, For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But there's something superior about having wisdom. It says, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. So it's not that you don't need money. It means that money is not the priority. Wisdom is the priority. So this morning, I want to teach on understanding kings, priests, and altars. Altars. When you are dealing with coming into godly wisdom, there are two kinds of wisdom we discovered. One is the wisdom that's in the world, and the other is wisdom that comes from above. James, the book of James, tells us that. If you have my diagram, it will be great for us to see that. Because the first thing, if you want godly wisdom, is that you've got to come to the cross. The Bible says that the cross is not only the power of God, but it is also the wisdom of God. And so anybody that bypasses the wisdom or the cross also bypasses the wisdom of God. So um, we had a meeting many years ago. I just purchased, we just got into iPads at the time. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about computers. And so um, everybody had one, and it was new. So not many people had it, but we were in on it, and we were getting our books from it, and, you know, writing and the like. And Warren and Stacy were staying at Jackal Creek. And um, in, I had a meeting with them, and sons came to my house. And, of course, Stacy was late, as usual. And so she gets into a car, and she's got the coffee in one hand, and she takes the iPad and puts it on top of the car, and she is driving with us. By the time she gets home, she realizes she, were, she had coffee, but she never had her iPad. And so what we did is we logged online and saw her log in, and you could actually see where the iPad was actually moving. Because it's called, what do you call it, I something like that. And so we trace this and we get into the car from the house and we drive towards the Honeydew police station and you can just trace this thing and it's moving. So it fell from the roof. She drove a bit over it so it was a bit cracked. But now we needed to find this thing. And so when we got to, um, I mean, I said, I said I, it looks like it's moving in the street here and there's a bush but I can't see anybody where this, this is. And as we're standing out of the bush, comes a guy with the iPad in his hand. And uh, we pull up next to him and we say, this is not yours, right? So thank you very much. We can take it. And he looks at it and he doesn't know what it is. And he says, well, at least you can give me 10 rand for it. The iPad is 9,000 rand. The law of recognition says, if you don't recognize what's in your hand, you can sell it for a Coke. If he knew what was in his hand, he would have said, no, no, no. I need a thousand rand at least for this thing. You're going to give me 10% for this thing. He asked for 10 rand. And when God brings you into the church, and when he gives you even the model I'm speaking about this morning, for the majority of people is that they don't know the value of what God has given them. And so they trash it, or they walk around with it and say, well, I'm saved. But they don't understand their value. But this morning, everything is about to change. 
in your life because the law of recognition says uh, I need to recognize what's in my hand. I need to recognize what God has given us. Um, I need to come on somebody online. You should be clapping your hands. Uh, I'm going to recognize the value that I have, uh, the value of the kingdom of God uh, and the value of the church. Can somebody shout a good amen in this church this morning? Come on, give a better amen. I'm so glad you made it to the house of God. But it's time for you to shout back and begin to say, Lord, I'm glad I'm here. I see the value in your church. I see the value in my pastor. I see the value in my neighbor. I see the value in the word. I see the value in worship. I recognize that there's value in this place. I need a better amen in this church. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Because wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. People are looking for money, but they're missing wisdom. But if you get wisdom, it gives you life. Because money can be a defense. But if you got wisdom, if I don't have the money, it's about time. I'm going to bring everything else around me. You watch the wisdom of God in my life. I didn't mean to preach this loud, but if we knew the value. So number one is the cross. So when you put the cross into an environment, or you speak about the cross, fools don't recognize the value. It's there. Oh, there was a man once upon a time that died. But we're all going to die. So what they do is, with that foolishness, God bypasses his wisdom over their lives. Okay? So the cross is number one. Number two, if you don't value the church, you don't get godly wisdom. I'm going to show you that this morning. Number three is the kingdom of God. You must understand the kingdom of God. Why the church? Why the kingdom? The kingdom is not the church. The church is the vehicle through which the kingdom moves. So the majority of people that will be in the church, um, though the majority of people collectively as a community, only 5% will be in the church serving. The 95% are in the kingdom operating. They're in the marketplace. They're dealing with material things. They're developing their lives. They're taking ground. They're the kings that go to war every single day. But the value that we've not seen is both in the kings and the priests and this model that God has given. And so people make foolish decisions because it's not connected to the house of God or the kingdom of God. And so their lives are in a mess and they're in toil and they're struggling because they don't have understanding. They don't know what's in their hands. So 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So when you begin to understand that you are a royal priesthood, when he calls you in there, both kings and priests, the Bible says, he's made us unto our God in the book of Revelation. Let me give it to you. It's in the book of Revelation chapter. Glory be to God. Um, Revelation... Chapter 4, I thought it was. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't I see it? Uh, come on, man. Revelation chapter 4, I think it is. You, you are kings and priests unto our God. I didn't mark this. I'll give it to you now. Okay, cool. Uh, no. All right. So the Bible speaks about being kings and priests. I'll, I'll get you the scripture soon. But here's the thing. In your home, men, women, listen to me. You are both priest and king. This is private. That means in my home I pray. That means in my home I come, I have family altar. I have my, my personal relationship with the Lord. I am a priest. I worship. I give sacrifices. I praise the Lord. I pray in the morning. That's my priestly duty, duty primarily in my home. But for most of the people, and I'm speaking about the kings, 
Your next step after that, when you step out of the door, is that you're in the marketplace. So your primary role then is that I am a king, and I take ground, I deal with the enemy, we fight battles, and so you are both kings and priests. That is at a private level. But at a corporate level, things change. Because what the, the kingdom is so large that I can't be both kings and priests, a king and a priest. So when I told the Lord, look, I'm going to help you. Don't take my business away. Don't take the call center away. I'm going to help you do the kingdom work. He said, what I have for you is you, you can't handle with one hand. In fact, so much so, I'm going to have to take your wife out of her, the marketplace as well. She's going to stand alongside you because you're a crazy nut. She has to pray for you. So God goes and brings me into the, a priestly role. And my primary work was not to go and fetch resources. My primary role was to pray in the morning, to hear God's voice, to seek His face, and to understand what He wants for me to do. So, John the Baptist got it right. When he, in his private space, was doing what he was doing, when Jesus came, he says, I must decrease. Ye must increase. Is everybody with me? Because when the kingdom comes into an environment, my personal vision takes second. It seats itself in the presence of kingdom work. I have a personal vision for my family. You have a personal vision for your business. All of that is there. But you, the reason why most kings are struggling is because when God brings them the kingdom, they still want to make their personal vision higher than the kingdom of God. And the kingdom business is so huge. You can't handle this thing by yourself. If God's going to do something in a region, it's going to have to be all of us. And that means that my personal vision, he will take my call center and say, shut this thing down because there's a kingdom at, at, at work here. You are quiet this morning. But it is important for you to understand, your cake business don't come first. We're not running cake sales. We are running the kingdom of God here. And we need the kings to come up to another level where you must begin to say, I must decrease and he must increase. Because this is about a priority thing. So when we're dealing with God, my primary thing when I wake up in the morning is not to go and run and find provision. I'll go into the presence of Almighty God. I've got to get the vision from him. He's giving me strategies. He's giving me models so that I can do what he's called me to do. So, the number one thing about a priestly duty, so, so they're they, they two different understandings. The one is priestly and the other one is kingly. It's primary roles. Private space, you must be a king and a priest. When you come into the kingdom of God, you must now pick a side. So my job then becomes where I get blueprints from heaven. I spend time in his presence. He's giving me education models. He's given me models for business and economics. He's, he's given my stuff now for media. And in this, in this segment, and what God is busy working inside of me, is a model called kings and priests. It's not new. But if we're going to advance the world, if we're going to move and bring transformation in our communities, then we have to come in on God's model and understand the value of what God put in His Word. Because if you don't do it, you end up in toil. You find yourself in a mess, and there's others that can die early. Because you get yourself into trouble disconnecting from God's model. God's got a plan. And God knows how to bring you into your destiny. So the double defense is both that there's a priest in your life, and I want the kings to understand this. Every king needs a priest in his life. Okay, to the ladies, every king needs a priest in her life. I'm not talking about your priest in your private home. He must be the priest, but I'm talking about being a part of a kingdom vision. So when God begins to speak to Moses, the Bible says Moses was warned because he's supposed to hold the vision. He was warned to build according to the pattern that God has shown him on the mountain. He spends 40 days in the mountains with God. But it's not just hanging out in the presence and the glory of God. No. 
He came back with a model. He came with a vision. He came with a strategy. You could not even build, you know, um, one meter. When God says one meter, you can't say one meter and then I'll add some. No, because God is precise. So it is, it's, it's like if you don't get the model right, I'll dump the model and I'll dump you and I'll find someone else. Because God is precise. Pray for your pastor. Because I need to hear it accurately. Last night was one of, like just a terrible, you know, having to get up in the morning and preach this morning. But it's like I need to hear from God. So having peace and having strength and the devil fighting me just to, so that you cannot get the message because part of my priestly role is to prepare fresh bread for you is that you get fresh manna. I don't go and sit and think up some message and give you some stale bread. I need you to do a better clap of your hands this morning because the truth is that we are making sure that you get a now word from the Lord with a fresh anointing from God. Can somebody please clap their hands and thank the Lord for the priests? So if God's going to do anything, Amos chapter 3 verse 9 says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. So He first goes and speaks to His prophets. So not only is there a model for ministry, not only is there, there's got to be revelation for the people because some things are coming. That's part of my priestly role. Some of the other things that we do is we receive tithes and offerings. That's part of a priestly role. I'm dealing with altars kings, priests, and altars this morning. Then they distribute to the poor. They take care of the orphans. They take care of the widows. That's part of a priestly role to make sure that the people are covered and taken care of. Then there's, then there's of course, your message that you get, your fresh manna, the fresh bread that will be on the table for you every single week. And then there's another thing that they do is, number six, is that they release the blessing. So that when you go to war, you're not operating by yourself. But you're operating, what is the blessing? It's an empowerment to prosper. It's an ability to move forward. It's the power of God that's upon you that overrides every curse. It's an empowerment. So when the blessing is on somebody, no matter what they're faced with in the marketplace, when the blessing is on you, no one can stop you. I needed the kings to understand that this morning. Come on, man. You should be getting happy this morning because you're in the right place at the right time. You have a priest in your life. You have the, the church. You have an altar. You have the glory of God in this place. You have vision that you can be. Look, where there's no vision, people perish. There's a Spanish version that says, where there's no vision, people are like wild, untamed horses. Can you see why many kings are struggling right now? I mean, not you, you know, you know of somebody. That once was so hot with God and in the church, now they're drunk, messed up, walking around. What happened to them? They got disconnected from the priest and the vision. They got disconnected from the purposes of God. Now they, they get in deals and they got no moral obligation. They don't have to come to the church because they're disconnected from the purposes of God. So when you look at the priestly blessing, look at this part of my role as a priest in your life. Numbers chapter 26 verse 22. And so God gives Moses this model. Then he tells him what must happen in this thing called the tabernacle. And how to set up the Levites to receive the tithes and the offerings. And then there's got to be these kings that are around them. Look at the model throughout scripture. The priestly model is this. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 23, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, so the blessing is spoken. The Lord bless you and keep you. I thought the king's hands should be wide, high up this morning. I'm speaking the blessing already upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and 
I, listen to the Lord, and I will bless them. Hallelujah. This is part of my job. This is part of my, my job description. This is what I do. I don't just have a vision. I don't just, I don't, we're not just collecting tithes and offerings. We're not just distributing to the poor. We are raising economic models and, we, and education models and raising up people to be effective in the marketplace. Um, that's why you got for change and the youngsters that are in here. It's an education model because it does not come from the world. Because the world will not teach you about your gift. But in the kingdom of God, we've got models. We've got uh, a way that we can advance together. And the key secret, the, the secret around this thing is understanding that the power of kings and priests because it's God's model so that even the people in the marketplace will not feel disconnected from the house of God or not feel disconnected from the purposes of God and think that you're going through battles for nothing. I need the kings to give a bigger shout in this house because something is coming. Now look how powerful this is. Listen, organization is given by God to simplify life. My job is to get up in the morning and preach. And I hear what God tells me to say. And by the end of the day, when I go home, I don't care how tough the message was. I go home and I'm satisfied. Why? Because my role is not to try and convince you. The Holy Spirit is here. Mine is to build the models, listen to what God is saying, and stand here and tell you that this is the system, this is the culture, and this is the way things are going to be done here. If you don't like it, then go somewhere else. But I'm not going to go and tell the Lord one day, well, you know, Tyrant didn't want to really sing. The Lord will tell me, so whose problem is that? Oh, but they didn't want to give money. Who's God will send a dog with money here if you don't want to be a part of it. But God's going to get the job done. And if I stay in my lane, because organization simplifies life, and if you recognize the priest in your life, your home can be blessed. Your business can move forward. The power of God will be seen upon you. I am preaching better than somebody saying amen. Because organization is given by God to simplify life. Ronaldo, aren't you happy that you don't have to go and worry about the church today and then your business tomorrow? The kings are busy fighting battles, so they need to put on the armor of God. But isn't it wonderful to know that you got Moses and Aaron that's on top of the mountain and they, their hands are lifted and they're praying for the people on the ground. They now calling for the, they said as long as Moses' hands were up, the people on the ground were gaining victories. You need to understand the connection with God. Some of you don't appreciate the priest, you don't appreciate the house of God, you don't appreciate the altars, but I am announcing in the heavenly things about to change in this church and it's going to change in the nations because God's lifting the shame from pastors he's lifting the shame from the priesthood he's beautifying his temple the sons and daughters are going to come from everywhere the anointing is going to break this yoke and together we're going to see the power of God upon this place glory be to God hallelujah Woohoo! Order is a universal principle that will bring peace and prosperity into your life. You shouldn't be stressing about, am I blessed, am I not? You're supposed to walk in that boardroom and say, this deal is mine. <laughs> the kings were supposed to respond differently in this place. The priest is staying in his position. The kings must function. <sighs> oh, here we go. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 to 6. How did I miss it? John to the seven churches which are in Asia and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the ruler over kings as well, right? He is the king of... Are you a king in the marketplace? Yes. Then you're not by yourself. There is a king. Ruling over you. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So kings and priests is God's order for kingdom advancement. If you're not progressing in your life or you're finding your life is in a mess as a king. Check your relationship with your priest. Now I know there's been many abusive models and I, we know there have been different challenges around priests and prophets for profit and the like. We know that. But God has always got somebody raised up with an integrity, with somebody who's walking in righteousness, 
and hearing what God is do- saying and doing. Amen? Because these two must flow together. And God is restoring this Old Testament model. The businessman is anointed as the pulpit is anointed. Oh man, you got to put that word inside of you and you got to shout back because some of the business people don't believe that they're anointed. Do you know that I can struggle to deliver or put a message together, but when I take this mic, when I get on that, on this altar, on this stage, on this platform in the morning, God has got to do something with my life for you. Now, as a business person, why don't you think the same? If you're a businessman, you must produce the fruit. You've got to get business deals. Because if I'm anointed that God's going to do something when I show up, then God must do something for you when you show up. Because something must break around you. And any devil that's holding on to your contracts or messing with your door, you I have a king. You can, listen, wherever the word of the king is, there's power. That means I can come to a door and I can say, open sesame. I command it in the name of Jesus. I command these doors to open. I command there to be a breakthrough. This thing must come. There's got to be a strategy. There's got to be wisdom. There's got to be understanding why. I mean the kingdom of God. Can somebody shout this morning? I feel like preaching this thing, man. Come on. So the primary role of a priest is to take care of spiritual matters. The primary role of kings is to take care of material matters. I don't say don't pray. I'm saying that your primary role is not just sitting in, 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 in the marketplace and here's a deal for 20 million but I just, so, so did you get the 20 million? No, I couldn't because, you know, I just led them to the Lord. The goods and the people. So there's this connection. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 1. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Listen to Paul speaking in the priestly role. Listen to him speak, man. This is powerful. Go with me, verse 2. Keep going. If, I, if I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless am I to you. Am I your apostle? For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. If nobody else believes that I am, there should be sons and daughters that says, that's my apostle. There should be kings in the marketplace that says, that's my apostle. I'm trying to set the church straight. I'm trying to get the order right in the house of God. You should have a priest in your life that says, I have a man of God that is praying for me, that is praying for my family, that is praying for my business, that is standing in the gap for me, that wakes up in the morning and blesses me and blesses my business. I cannot fail. I'll walk in victory. There's got to be a breakthrough this week. I'm calling out the kings. I'm calling you into your destiny. You are not by yourself. Stop letting the devil tell you that you're by yourself. The devil is a liar. You are connected. There is a partnership happening right now over Kingdom Life Embassy. All our sons and daughters across the globe. I am telling you whether you're New York or, or France. I am telling you there's a breakthrough upon you because you have a priest in your life. My defense. My defense. To those who examine me, is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Yesterday in prayers, I said we, 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 we wine and dine at the best places. Then I had to stop it and say, no, we, we dine at the best. Because the kings think that, oh, the pastor gets drunk somewhere. There's no wine. On these lips for the last 24 years. Because I honor God and the call of God upon my life. Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? Or do also the other apostles, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and, and, and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war. Can anybody shout, everybody shout, we in a war. 
whoever goes to war at his own expense? Who plants, and who, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox. What is the ox? The ox anointing is the apostle. It's, it's hard work up front, breaking up new ground. It's tough work. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. It, is, is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does, it, does he say it all together for, your, for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he who plows should plow in hope. When I'm plowing in the word and I'm digging up fallow ground and I'm praying over regions and we're praying over the city, it should be that I should be plowing in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of this, of this hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Because my primary focus is the spiritual realm. Yours is material. Should I not partake of, of yours? Or do you want me to sit on my broken jeans here and come in? Oh, thank you. At least I got one person saying, no, apostle. If others are partakers of this right more, uh, right over you, we are we not even more. Nevertheless, We've not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So I'm not using it as saying, well, when you pray in the, come in the line here, I'm going to charge you for oil, I'm going to charge you for water, I lay hands on you, and if you want to come here and sit at the table, it's going to cost you 10,000 rand. Because I don't want to hinder the gospel, I want that the word goes out, but the truth is that this is supposed to be a partnership between the spiritual and the material world. It should be that the king's on the one side, the priest's on the other side. Together we should be doing this thing. How can you hold back on your blessing in the house of God? I need somebody to shout a better amen. I am preaching better than you saying amen. Because in Numbers chapter 6 and leading up to the book of Numbers, God says, here's your tabernacle. Here's all the elements I want in it. Here's the measurements. Now give the priests and your role as the priest. Tell the people, put a blessing on them. Speak the blessing on them. Look at Numbers, that's in Numbers chapter 6. Look at in Numbers chapter 7 verse 1. This is so powerful. Now it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, that he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings and the, alt and the altar and all its utensils so he anointed them and consecrated them. He says, this portion belongs to the Lord. Consecration means to set it apart. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their fathers' houses, who were the leaders of the tribes and over those who were numbered, made an offering. Pay attention. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered carts and twelve oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders, and for each one an ox, and they presented them before the tabernacle. The priest's sign place, the tabernacle is in place, the altar has been raised. Here comes the kings. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, because Moses is looking at this thing and saying, Lord, this is new, man. What are you doing? The Lord says to Moses, accept these from them, that they may be used in, the doing, in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites. That's the priesthood, serving in the tabernacle. To every man according to his service. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts, four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, and so forth. Verse 8. And four carts, uh, the son of Aaron, the priests. Verse 9, I wanted to show you the first one. But the sons of Korah, and so give me verse 10, sorry. Now the leaders offered the dedication offering to the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. And so the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offering 
one leader each day for the dedication of the altar. When they did this at the altar, you go and study Numbers chapter 7, God makes special mention of all the kings because they now belong to the 12 tribes of, 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 of Jacob, of Israel. And so they come in and you, God makes a mention of every single one of them. Just put up the verse for me. I think there's, I'm going to give you the first one so you can go. There's 12 of them. Every one of them. First comes Judah. The one who offered the offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of uh, Aminadab, from the tribe of Judah. So every tribe had a leader that would come and they would bring an offering onto the altar. But look at the order of God. God gives you a priest and then he gives you an altar. Pay attention, watch now. And by the altar, they then, because of the children of God, as the children of God, every one of them, one day, the one brings an offering. And they went through this for, through 12 tribes, offerings to the Lord. God makes special mention of these kings because it is valuable to God. Your offering is valuable to God. Don't sit here and tip God anymore. If you are king, then you must have special offerings put aside for God, not for me, for the altar. Let me explain what I'm saying to you. He has made us both kings and priests. Get fast as a king. I'm, God spoke to me last week. He says, the kings are here. Start calling them into order. Start calling them. Some are going to say, ah, they want the money. Go and deal with your own life. I am dealing with the model that God has given, that God is calling kings into place. Do you have a priest in your life? Do you have vision in this house? Do you have order in this house? Then where are the kings that must come and make this house right? Come on, somebody. I am calling the kings into order this morning. I am calling you to come into the place where you start to handle your money with the holiness it deserves, where you take care of your resources and your business and saying, Father, I am a king. If Pastor Max must handle the vision with such, with such precision and clarity, let me handle the finances that you put in my hand with a man of great integrity and honesty before the Lord. You're going to clap your hands louder, just pretend like you're doing what is right. Because hear this, write this down. Both kings and priests have a spiritual and moral obligation in the kingdom. I have an obligation, but so do you. How I handle the things of God. What is yours? You take the money that God gives you and you treat it like holy. How do you, listen, the Bible speaks of money being filthy lucre. How do you, how do you wash your money? Excuse me. How do you wash it? You tithe. Because if the root be holy, then the fruit is holy. The Bible calls money unrighteous mammon. So when you get into position in the kingdom of God, your work becomes your worship. So let's deal with altars. Let's, because God's calling the sons and daughters out of bondage and into a place of no toil. So, the priest's role is re releasing the blessing, but part of it is taking care of the tabernacle and its business. So the first thing about, one of the things that he has to do is raise an altar. Three critical things you need to understand about altars. Number one, what is an altar? It represents a place of sacrifice. The root word for sacrifice is a place of slaughter. It's the place where people go to make sacrifices. It's the place where you give up things. It's the place where you surrender. And it's a beautiful place of understanding that thing, church, because as a king, your money can get you to a place of real arrogance because you don't get, need to get up to go to church. You don't need to get up and pray. 
You don't have to see God's face because money answers all things. So now you can get yourself into trouble because when you come through the doors, into a, when you part taking or part of a church or an altar that is there, the things that you sacrifice is that attitude of yours. It's a place of slaughter. What are you slaughtering? That attitude, that pride. The priest, I don't, I, 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 sometimes I say, but pastor, that is so harsh. You look so angry. Yeah. Have you ever seen a happy cow when they put a knife here? Because when you come to the altar, this is a place of sacrifice. And when I tell you that outfit that you got on, that low and behold, dress properly. Because I'm dealing with an altar that we've been working with for the last 16 years. When you're raising an altar, what you're looking for is a place of where you bring your worship, you bring your gift, you, you kill your attitude, you kill your pride, because it's a place of sacrifice. Oh, but you don't know, I'm a director wherever I sit. Go to your directorship and go and see how it works out for you. This is the house of a living God. This is the church of a living God. We've all come to lay our lives down at this place. Can somebody shout amen? The second thing about an altar is that it's a place of worship. Mensa Otterbell has been helping us with this. So it's a place of worship. And what is this? It's a place we adore. What is a place of worship? It's, it's, it's what we worship. It's, it's what we believe in. It's what we look up to. It's what's important to you. It's what you value in life. Please write this out. We eventually all become what we worship. I'm going to give you two key things you must go home with today. That'd be the second one. Here's the first statement. Everybody worships. Like everybody tithes, you're either giving it to God or the devil's taking it from your account. But everybody tithes and everybody worships. Don't you kid yourself. Saved or not saved, everybody worships. What does it mean? It means what's valuable to you. Show me where you're spending your money and show me where you're spending your time and I'll show you who's your God. It's called worship. You raise an altar at home and that's where you spend your time, your effort, your energy, your emotions. You put it there. Don't kid yourself. People in church, just because they came to church doesn't mean that God is their God. Just because they sing on the worship team doesn't mean that God is really the one that they're looking to. Eventually, it manifests what you've been involved in. Number three about an altar, it's an exalted place. It's a high place. It's lifted. That's why it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a place where the tribes go up. Because in worship, there's an exchange that takes place. Everybody's worshiping. That's the reason why um, um, when, when somebody is going after um, the altar of knowledge, they, they make sacrifices for what? Time, money, family, relationships, because they're all looking for an exalted place. It's called promotion. So I can put the certificate against the wall and show you how good I am. Because they're worshiping at the altar of knowledge. In order to acquire an exalted level in society, to impress people. Oh, professor. Oh, doctor. Oh, just stop it. Others have an altar that they raised up. And I'm telling you today, 
reason why I'm speaking to kings, priests, and altars is why God will give you a priest is because you can erect altars in your home that you don't even know this is not of God. Here's another one. It's called pleasure and entertainment. That's an altar that people raise up. They'll do anything to become famous. They will lie, they will cheat, they'll sleep around, they'll do whatever they want to do because they've raised an altar that's not from the pureness of who God is. They'll give up morals in exchange for notoriety and fame. They just live for pleasure. So God, church, money, sacrifices on the altar, it's not in their thinking. Because they have an altar. I'll do anything to become famous. That's number, th that's number two. How many, how many did I give you? Here's number three. The altar of money. I was there. So you'll find me studying in the week of how to pick the pick six. Trifactors. Play horses. Lotto. Well, there was no lotto then. But it was how to make money. So I, I made all sacrifices just to make money. Because that was my altar in my home. So whether you go to the toilet or whether you're sitting in the lounge... There is all the newspapers and horses and what's those books called again? Compu something. But to tell you the races and who the jockeys are, and I'm early there on a Saturday morning and I'm looking at, oh, oh okay, that horse looks like, uh, um, you know? And you make all, my, my life consumed. It was an altar that I raised because of money. I want to ask you this morning, what altars do you have in your life? Think, tell me what you're worried about. Tell me what you meditate on. Tell me where you're spending your money and your energy. And I will show you where your exalted place is. Because everybody's got it. You're trying to impress people. And the fear of God's not there anymore. The reason why you come to church is because you have a priest and there's an altar. And the first thing you do is bring your sacrifice in. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your body. Your body must be a living sacrifice that you lay at the altar of a living God and say, Father, I'm outside of your will. I am not doing what you want me to do because this is what it is here for. Now, you are a living sacrifice. That means you got a right to get up and say, I'm not listening to this pastor anymore. I'm leaving. Of course you can. Because when you come to this place, it's a place of sacrifice, number one. Number two is worship. Everybody worships. And when you come into a place of worship, an exchange takes place. Remember when Jesus went up and he was fasting and praying? Luke chapter 4. Put it up quickly. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you because, <laughs> and their glory. Oh, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I can give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me. Because all worship gives you an exchange. So what if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or oh, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's always an exchange taking place every day. Whoever you're connected with, whatever you're doing. And the reason why you need a priest in your life is number one, he not only holds the vision, but he raises an altar before the Lord so that number one, you can bring your sacrifices, not just your money, your body that you bring in there. And two, that you can understand what true worship is all about because what do you do if you have a God or an altar that you've raised? You become what you worship. So if a cow is what you're focusing on, you become a cow in life. You become what you worship. So if money is your God, you become greedy. If sex is your God, you become lustful. If knowledge is your thing, you become puffed up because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. And anytime you don't have an altar in your life as a king, you're always going to relegate your life to less than what God has made you to be. Because the enemy is offering you an image. And in that image, you even lose your family because you sacrifice them. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice your gifts. You lay them there because this is the God that you made. 
You need a priest in your life. You need an altar not just in your home, but in the city. This is the same reason why God called us. Can I just give you one more? We'll go on to what I need to say. Oh my goodness, my time's up. <sighs> Let me give you one more around understanding altars. Can I give you one more? Listen and take note. You will let, let the world know your pastor said. People at this point are raising an altar called security. What sacrifice are they doing? What sacrifices? Because every altar needs a sacrifice. Every altar has worship. And every altar gives you an exchange. Gives you an exalted place. It promotes you. According to your mind. It's money that's going to promote me. My education is going to promote me. My booty and my dress or whatever is going to promote me. I'm looking for something. You need to fix that image and bring that altars down. You need to cast those idols away from your midst. When I speak about security, what do I put on the altar for security in the season? Is my body. For what? A vaccination. What do I get as an exalted thing? According to them, you're going to be safe. You'll be able to travel. That's the new thing that they've raised as an altar. And anybody that goes and takes, listen, you've got the right to do with your body whatever you want to do, but I want you to ask you at what price. You better study when you're going to lay yourself in the hands of the big farmer and say, well, based upon what you're saying, I'll just take an injection. I'm asking the question, what's in it? Because if I'm going to give you my body, if I'm going to give you my time, if I'm going to give you my money for a vaccination, what do I get in exchange for it? According to you, there's an exalted place because everybody's going to be proud of you because you're taking care, you're loving your neighbor. I need to get off this because it's irritating me. The exchange is that you lay yourself on that altar. They will control you for the rest of your days because you give them your body. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen awake but in vain. You be careful where you go and worship. You be careful where you try and deal with your exchange. Because there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it's death. I am telling you now, it's time for the kings to come back to the altar with God. I am telling you this message came by the Spirit of God to let you know that there is an altar here and we are not playing around. I am not trying to be intimidated by anybody. I am not allowing anybody just to come up here and mess with the plan of God. Because if you don't want to go, your children one day might come and say, well, Lord, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my service. I'm going to give you my gift. If you don't want to go, no problem. But God will never, you'll never get to heaven and say, I did not know or I did not have. There is an altar in this house. There is an order in this house. There are sacrifices being made in this house. There is gifts that come to the table. We are giving God our very best in this place. It might not be everything that the world has got, but we're giving what we can in the season that we are in. And we're saying, Father, we're going to worship you. I am commanding every king to attention this morning. I am commanding you by the Spirit of God to get up from where you are and come into your destiny and come into your purpose and come and serve the purposes of heaven and stop playing around with your anointing. Stop messing around with this anointing because God is calling somebody tonight, this morning, in Jesus' mighty name. Child of God, we are dealing with a double defense and my time is up. Psalm 75 or 6. Please put it up. You may come on. Bring the team up. Psalms 75 or 6. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is judge. He puts down one and exalts another.
you know that God will promote you. You know that God will set you up. You know that God will bless you. Don't worry about the promotion because it comes from Him. You don't have to promote yourself. What you have to do is bring sacrifices. Bring your body back to the Lord. Bring your life and your mind back to Him. I don't know what image you created and what God you set up and what idol you put up in your life this, this morning. But there's a word from the Lord for you this morning. The Lord said to me, son, the kings are here. I'm going to promote them. But the fear of the Lord's going to come back. It's Proverbs 4 verse 1. Proverbs 4 verse 1. You there? Hear my children, the instruction of a father. Please read with me. And give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Wisdom is speaking to you this morning. Because wisdom is your defense. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Oh, if I can speak to a generation that they wouldn't die before their time. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. And she will preserve you. Love her. And she will keep you. Come on, somebody. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the number one thing. Wisdom is the thing. Stop relegating it to say money first. Break down that altar in your life right now. That greed and that doing whatever you want to do to get to where you need to get to. And hoping that will be an exalted place for you one day. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her. <laughs> Make wisdom your number one thing. Promote wisdom in your life. And she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. May there be an ornament of grace upon everybody under the sound of my voice. Come on, somebody. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. You're my son and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. Because money is a defense and wisdom is a defense. But the excellency of wisdom is that it gives life to those who have it. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. I needed a bigger shot from the kings in this house. Because somebody is beginning to walk with the Lord. But I see you breaking out of that walk. I see you getting into a bit of a jog with God. Come on, somebody. Because uh, you've been walking and it's been slow and it's been long. And this deal's going to be six months time. The devil is a liar. When you're walking with wisdom, uh, it goes from a walk. It goes into a run. Hallelujah. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. I want to prophesy that over the kings in this place. I know you in this house. I know God has called you. I know know that you are a child of a living God it's time to run with vision can somebody shout yes take firm hold of instruction do not let her go keep her for she is your life wisdom is your life not money do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil avoid it do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. When you see somebody who doesn't have the cross, or has got no fear of the Lord, the Bible says, go on the other side, wave, pass on. Pass on. Read Proverbs chapter 4, so that you can come into the destiny that God has got for you. My time is up. Matthew. Chapter 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. 
For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will love, be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Kings, hear me today. Money is just an amplifier. It amplifies what's in your heart. That's why you need a priest in your life. That's why you need a church and an altar. That every week you come, don't say, when I get money, how did you get here? I got 10 rand. Then you put it on the altar and you do what you, God tells you to do. Don't let the enemy... <laughs> you know, people are asking me, how could I give my car away? I'm in a season where if the devil thinks he can try and tempt me or even keep me with things, this gift is not for sale. I didn't come here because of cars and houses. I am here serving the King of Kings and I'm telling you, new cars are coming, new houses are coming, but it comes because of a sacrifice. Don't let the enemy keep your stuff so much that the devil comes and steals it or that your life feels empty. It's just things, man. This is just things, man. It's just things. You want shoes? Take the shoes, man. What do you want? It's just things. Stop making, your life does not consist of the things that you possess. God is speaking to the kings. Now you must, the enemy comes and you, you lose your house, you lose your, your, your car, you lose, your, you lose everything because you hold on to things. Live loosely with these things, man. What do you want? Come. My wardrobe, come. You want food, come. You want pots. My wife said, you're getting into that mood again? It's not good. Because I had pastors when I was a king. I, they come to my house. A, a Ghanaian pastor comes to preach. He says, oh, that's a beautiful painting. I say, wrap it up. Take it. The pastor's wife comes and says, oh, this is a beautiful white couch. Massive, beautiful couch. I say, take it. We'll deliver it next week to you. My wife's like, my husband. Because when I get into a mood like this, and I'm, I know that God's calling for sacrifices, I'm not just preaching it. I want the devil to know He's not going to hold me hostage with the things that he's been messing with my life. I am telling you, I'm in that mood. I believe this is by the Spirit of God. You need to clean out that wardrobe and stop holding on to that matric dress and let it go in Jesus' name. Come on, break this thing this morning. Break this thing this morning. It's time for you to get up from where you are. It's not convenient to sow. I don't care. Pastor Brian comes and says, me, please pick you up in the morning. I said, no. I want to feel the inconvenience of a sacrifice. Because if you can feel that thing leave your hand, you're going to feel when it hits your hand. I need somebody to hear me this morning. I need somebody to hear me this morning. That God is speaking to the kings this morning. Stop holding on to the things. It's this mood that I'm in. And I'm telling you, it's not just me. It's God, when He stirs me like this, I know something is coming. And it's bigger. And it's greater. And it's more glorious. And we will walk debt-free, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You want to be my friend because when I'm in this mood, when around me, <laughs> Let me give you an end. If you're not saved, you must be born again. Child of God, listen to me. You're, you're God's creation, but not God's child. You come through the cross and you get His wisdom. You come in on His kingdom, you form part of the kings and priests. You develop the fear of the Lord. You have a priest in your life. Develop the fear of the Lord, and you can have your life changed. That's the way it works. I'm not trying to sell Jesus. I'm not trying to peddle him in any way. I'm telling you, this is the way for life. Haggai chapter 12, Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. Listen to your apostle. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while. I'll shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land. And I'll shake all nations. And they shall come to the desirable nations and I'll fill this temple with the glory. With glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. 
And in this place of Kingdom Life Embassy, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What's the desire of all nations will come to you? Every, de every nation desires money. So when he says the desire of all nations are coming to you, the money is coming to you. God can put the desire in nations to come and bless you when the kingdom is first. But it's connected to the temple. The Lord says, take your rightful place. You are not here to serve money. You are here to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. The Lord says, worship me alone. Make my kingdom your priority and watch me bless you and promote you. I will lift you up. Everybody is worshiping, but you worship me. Everybody is sacrificing, but do what you do and do it as unto me. I will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The altars of convenience will cost you. The altars will, co will cost you. Don't look for convenience, look for obedience. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The Lord said to me, the kings are your son. Call them to attention. Call them into their destiny. Call them into their rightful place. Call them into order. Say no more compromise. No more looking for convenience. Whatever you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose. Whatever you bow down to, to on the way up the hill will control you when you get there. But this is the season of no compromise. Not looking for convenience. Come on, somebody. Where are the kings? I want to release a fresh blessing upon you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your serving. I bless you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I am calling you into a, a fresh place of order as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. I've come to tell you that that money in that account is useless. Put it in the kingdom of God. Let God know that it takes the highest place. Let Him know that His church takes the highest place. This is the season of blessing. And as your priest, I bless you for this week. I decree and declare that you are victorious. Any problem that you are faced with will turn into dust before you. Whatever you put your hands to, it will turn into prophetic gold. You will walk, you are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Whatever you put your hands to, it will prosper. I bless you as a priest in this house, as a son and daughter of the Most High God, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. No disease, no virus, no germ. No evil, no harm, no disaster will befall you. From this day forward, you are progressing as a son of God and as a king, uh, taking your rightful place in the house of God. I bless you. Amen and amen. Let's go rejoicing this morning.